Is it summertime already? <laughs> oh gosh, well it seems like a great time to give a gay man some money. You may not know this, but Crisis Twink has a listener support option. If you go to the show notes and click the link, you may be presented with the opportunity to donate a small monthly fee to help support operating costs. It can be as little or as astronomical as you want, but any amount is appreciated. If I could give you a smooch, I would, but I can't. So enjoy these dulcet tones instead, uh, dulcet tones that many have described as akin to a very warm hug. So please donate if you'd like. Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a problematic fave, or just something that needs to be urgently discussed or you'll die, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. It's just us girls today. I have a returning fan favorite, a cultural luminary and expert and mother. It's Michael Leichner. Hi. Hi, it's an honor to be back on the pod. As And I remember to actually introduce you this time, which- Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we're off to a good start. We're doing yeah. good. <laughs> um, happy Beyonce Eve to you. It is it is a little weird to be recording this on the on the eve of a of a big Beyonce single. We're like in anticipation right now. Yeah, if for to set the temporal scene for the listeners, um, we are recording this on Monday afternoon evening. In five or six short hours, Beyonce's new single. I don't know what it's called. I don't remember what it's oh, called. Oh, it's something my Break soul. My soul. Yeah, break my soul. Okay, that's thank you. That's okay, what it is. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay, that some the hive is already. They're like swarming my house right yeah. now. Um, <laughs> we do not know what it sounds like. We don't know what the visuals are. We don't know anything yet. Um, so all we're working with today is anticipation and a Vogue editorial, and that's it. Do you okay? So we we also saw that Variety article where it says that there are disco songs and country songs. Do you want to hear a disco song first or a country song? Disco first? for sure. And I think that's what we're getting. Um, I mean, all the imagery in that Vogue editorial was very like disco ball. Like the her on the horse was very Bianca Jagger going into Studio 54. You sent me a very enterprising TikTok from an unnamed source uh, that posited that she was maybe referencing Gaga. Maybe, I think the word in the video was copying. So if you've seen this video by the time this episode comes out, know that the person who recorded it is likely deceased. <laughs> yes, but they <laughs> have been gone. executed. Yeah, um, but uh, I don't, I mean, she's not not referencing. I mean, it is similar. I, I just think that, I mean, look, I can't speak to the visual references in that spread as well, but I just feel like if you're, if you're referencing disco, like, and you're doing Studio 54, then, like, you're going to kind of all end up at the same place. It's like, I, I, I copying is a strong word when it's like you're all kind of going, Certainly. Of, <laughs> when yeah. you're all going from the same references. <laughs> People don't know 
people don't know that you just can't use strong, even semi-negative language regarding Beyonce these days. You just can't do it. And I don't know why people have not learned their lesson. Like you'd think by this point, we would know better. Some of us would know better. And Beyonce has gotten in trouble for copying in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. If you remember the, uh, it was the countdown video and I don't remember the choreographer's name, but she oh. alleged that, that there were like frames stolen from her like kind of avant-garde art piece. But, you, you know, if it, was co- if it was true copying, I feel like Lady Gaga would have said something and it just- Well, that's why I think that we may in inshallah we got this telephone part three we we really need it you know yeah that we be, do especially if lady gaga is gonna play harley quinn or whatever she she this yeah this is this is the perfect launch pad for her new era and i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to say that beyonce's new era is merely a vessel for yet another <laughs> one of gaga's many hats but it the possibility is tantalizing. And I do think, you know, like, okay, yes, Lady Gaga is the foremost purveyor of dance pop over the past decade and a half. And the editorial is not necessarily like, oh, it's it's not just like Gaga's doing it and Beyonce's doing it again. But I will say the motorcycle was very suspicious and the bubbles, the bubbles were what got because those bubbles were very, they were bubbling in a way that's very similar to Gaga's bubbles and how they have bubbled in the past. So Easter egg. Beyonce's got in her little monster bag. (laughs) As she should be. I'm like, I'm very annoyed with Gaga right now, but like it is, I mean, I kind of always am, but like I will obviously stand regardless, but like this would be a good look for her, like positive press after like, months of being the Avon lady and like joining Joker, which on it will be good. It'll tear, I think. I don't agree with that, but God, I didn't see the first one. But God, the God first one's that. really, it's not good. I, I mean, people liked it. A lot of people did like it. It just was not like, I don't like like art bro-y stuff like that. And at the end of the day, I couldn't stop thinking that like, oh, this same director made old school and whatever that Robert Downey Jr. movie where he like takes the baby across the country the hang- or whatever. The Hangover. Not yeah. that one. Oh, well, he made The Hangover. There's an, He does yeah. another one though with baby yeah. and desert thing. Yeah, it's like you're doing a Martin Scorsese pastiche. Like I didn't really, with the Joker, I didn't really need that. Like, But I mean, it is going to be a musical with Gaga as Harley Quinn. I, I mean, I'm not going to not see that. I'm sorry. I'm just not. I, it's fair. It's fair. You know, they they got, Warner Brothers and Todd Phillips really got us there. I hate that we started off talking about Beyonce and just made our way into Gaga. I just, I, I, it's tough to talk about this though, not knowing what's coming. Yeah, I I I will say I am excited for kind of like a disco moment from Beyonce I feel like having her something do do having her do something a little more upbeat and fun I think would be exciting um like a true like dance song um would be great it would be fantastic and she's really good at dance pop like Sweet Dreams is like pretty like cookie cutter 2009 
dance pop, but like it's really well done. And she has a history of, I mean, she really works well with like pop, pop music. And I'm sure this new stuff is going to be very like elevated house, elevated disco. Maybe she'll do blog house. Wouldn't that Isn't be she? Wasn't she rumored to be working with Honey Dijon? Yes. Okay. Which I hope that that credit is still on the record somewhere. Um, I know I saw today before I got on the plane that the the main producer or the main writer for this new song is The Dream. And that's oh. quality. He he and they make hits together. I'm very that pleased is true. With that. He has an interesting background, which we don't need to get into right now. Well, certainly, uh, yes. Which I forgot. I, I, so I'm I'm interested to see still see him popping up in the credits. But yes, the the songs are there for sure. The songs are there. And I was a little I, I, I was a little worried for a second because the only writer that they'd mentioned in those profiles was Ryan Tedder, who is also a hit maker, but not necessarily one that um you know, I wasn't excited to see him as like the primary name. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting that he was the first person to like get uh, to get like associated with the project. Um, yeah, I, I really like XO. Halo is a song that, you know, is is a is a big Beyonce hit, but XO is really good. You know, it's a song that she recorded. I do like that song, but I. I will always be pissed off at him for that situation because he gave the same song to Kelly Clarkson with Already Gone. They're identical. Yeah. I was actually, uh, Who Weekly just talked about it on the, mm-hmm. the Patreon oh, pod. Yeah. And they, yeah. And he, apparently his statement was something like, well, they're actually really different compositionally. And it's like- Okay, but they're not. <laughs> they're literally not. Like, I don't listen to Already Gone just because I'm not the biggest Kelly head in the world, but like, I mean, I've, I heard them out on the radio at the same time, and you could have done, like, a mega mix to the two of those. Yeah, I'm, and has, what was Ryan Tedder's, like, last hit? As a writer, I couldn't tell you. As a One Republic member, um, probably all the right moves in all the right places. I mean, it's been a long time. Yeah, he writes been... pretty steadily, though. Yeah. I, oh, I'm not worried about his his paycheck or anything like that no yeah it's been (laughs) no we're we're not worried about him working and he's he is a good like i think he's a pretty solid writer i would have just liked to have seen almost anyone else (laughs) (laughs) someone was saying that um i i'm sure it was like a fake screenshot like someone was taking some like ascap pub credit where she worked with ezra koenig again and oh, I think I saw some yeah, of those. Yeah, yeah, those yeah. Really, those looked really doctored to me. I mean, I guess it's like a potential, but I, I don't know. Those didn't look legit to me. But... And it's also not like hold on, actually. It wasn't like a writing credit session with any of those people because, like, no. she literally just took an Ezra tweet. Yeah, Diplo, it was like Diplo took the tweet. And then she incorporated it. And then basically Ezra got a writing credit and then the AAS got a writing credit. Yeah. So well, maybe they all got in a room together. You know, maybe the AAS, the AAS on their new album, they'll have Beyonce on there too, along with Perfume Bean. 
Fair and she time. does have a taste for the indie. I mean, she was at Grizzly Bear shows back in 09 to 2010. Like she's famous worked, photos. Iconic photos. Like we need, I, I let maybe this, maybe this era, like she's going to be working with like the Rapture or like the DFA gang. And like, we're going to get some like minimalist, like cowbell shit, which I would live for. Yeah, that would be, that'd be great. Again, like dance Beyonce in whatever it's formed, like, Disco, disco punk, I'm ready. And maybe uh, maybe even blog house. I keep trying to like accept the sin of the mainstream, but like Beyonce X Uffy. Yeah, yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I would I would I would actually die if that happened. So let's I by the time you're listening to this, this whole segment may be wrong. We might we might not know anything yet, but she very rarely disappoints, and I think this is gonna be. A, a, a whole serve yeah and i'm also i'm uh preparing my bank account for whenever the concert tickets are getting released oh <laughs> I, i'm gonna i'm gonna buy merch i think for this depending on how it looks like the idea of like beyonce dance music adjacent merch seems promising and if it's as good as this shoot was like i will be buying the merch yeah. So whenever she drops it, I, I I will have my wallet open. Okay, we do need to get to the first segment. So we are going to play Go Call the Governor, which you've played before. But for those who are just tuning in, I am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and or ancient history. And you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called. There are no wrong answers here, but your choice is binary. Does the governor need to be called or not? Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. Okay, first scenario, uh, Ryan Gosling is Ken. Does the governor need to be called? <laughs> um, I'm going to say no, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, maybe we could get some like municipal someone or other involved. Um, those photos were, the photo was striking. That's, that's definitely a word, yeah. Yeah, it, it was striking. I was shocked that the internet did not seem to like this. They didn't? No, sentiment was overwhelmingly negative and the Daily Mail made it their cover page um, for the day it got released uh, with like a caption that was like, fans are horrified by Ryan Gosling's transformation into the iconic doll. This is truly news for me because literally every single, I mean, in, in like every single text I saw about this, maybe it just wasn't on Twitter, but literally every single text I saw was like thirst, thirst, thirst. I like. think our, our friend group had a very strong reaction to this. And I did send a rather inflammatory text <laughs> to our group that I cannot repeat on air, but know that it was sensuous, let's say. I guess uh, like, who who's horrified like who cares about ken like i don't understand like i guess they don't think he looks like ken i, I think Ken's he looks a, like ken i, I think know. he he captures the essence of ken he's like a doll he's also a doll so like i don't know what people are like projecting onto this i think people were like a little put off by how and i i, I do think there's no other way to put this like vintage gay porny he looks like he does look like a turn of like the 80s, 90s, like a gay porn star. It just, it, it has to be said. 
as opposed to like a 50s like beefcake like whatever gay porn there's star not, that the- there, no no, no he's, <laughs> he's, he's not he's not he's not even 70s like there's something very like like trucker trash three about it that people who are haters the haters can stay mad and also there's going to be multiple kens in the movie from what it sounds like so like people can relax i hope they're all dressed like this too because i was i was (laughs) i'm all about it i love ryan gosling like i think he's such a talented actor and a very good comedian and i just don't see how this movie isn't going to be good yeah like greta and margot robbie and and ryan gosling like i I, I don't see how you can miss here. You can't. And I know that, and like Noah Baumbach, like I know he's annoying as hell, but like he's a great writer. This movie's going to be good. Like I know it looks goofy, but like I'm okay with goofy. Like, yeah, we need more fun movies. Like this will be a fun movie. I'm ready for it. If Because re- remember, we have to take what we have for granted because there is another timeline in which this movie was developed as a vehicle for Amy Schumer as a Barbie that is not like the other Barbies. Yeah. And, and we don't need that movie. And I, I will say like, generally positive, let's say towards Amy Schumer. Like I thought yeah, she me was too. good. She's at, so yeah, funny. I, yeah. yeah, I thought she was great at the Oscars and then promptly tanked all of her goodwill after the Oscars for yeah. tweeting about the like Will Smith's laugh incident. But like, I'm generally positive towards Amy Schumer and I don't really want to see that like Barbie movie. Like I would much prefer the like, whatever like zany i mean we are getting some sort of like multiverse of madness it sounds like but like or or my theory hopefully this is what it is it's like a village where everyone is barbie and ken like every house is a barbie in ken that would be a fun that'd be a fun concept because it also like kind of worked with the toys because like you could get all the like yeah like there are multiple barbies in one household right Right. So that'd be you don't just have one Barbie. No, you have to have, yeah, you got to have the whole set and then you have to buy the playhouse and everything. Yeah. So that's that, maybe that's what we're getting here. Cause that would be good. That sounds like, and then that could be like a don't worry, di- darling style romp, like comedy romp. That would be great. I would, I would, that, I would watch that. But I also, tr- I trust uh, Greta and everyone else involved. She's never made anything bad. So like, why are we? And also, also, Margot Robbie is a hit maker as well. Agreed. Yeah, I haven't seen like a ton of her work, but like what I've seen is like she's she's fantastic. And it, I just I don't know why people are fussing so much. Like, it'll be good. It'll be weird. Just wait until July twenty. Ryan Gosling is ten. Looks hot. The end. So hot. so hot and it's it's actually annoying okay next scenario a real weird one uh gwen stefani was the keynote speaker at julie andrews's afi lifetime achievement award does the governor need to be called because she did the yodel like because she did yodeling and wind it up i don't really understand the connection i didn't even put those together (laughs) oh my god what what is the connection oh my god like oh my god and again, like, I'm not the most familiar with Julie Andrews. I mean, I've, I'm sure I've seen The Sound of Music and I've, like, seen other things that she's been in. You've seen Mary Poppins, right? Uh, if I have, it's been a long time ago. Princess I mean, I Diaries? Oh, well, I've seen The Princess okay, Diaries. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay, so that's, 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 those are the big three. But the, 
Gwen Stefani is not someone I would have associated with this, but now that you point out the the wind it up lonely goat herd connection, <laughs> that's really uh, I, that's actually thrown me off a lot. So yeah, so the governor doesn't need to be called because this is you know a decision that someone made, and we can't call the governor on every bad decision. But I I also don't. I mean, I love wind it up, but I also don't really know if that's a strong enough connection to like have her be the keynote speaker no i i i i cannot imagine that that is what it is but like that is such a strong coincidence and one that i just had not considered like it's all i can think about now though like do you think julie andrews has listened to the sweet escape no i mean i i you don't think she's heard wind it up i'm sure she gets like well, no, she wouldn't get royalties because she's no. Like I don't composer. think they would need her permission, right? Because yeah, she didn't write it. No. Um, maybe someone played it for her once, and she was like, "What? Okay," and then like didn't like never thought about it ever again. Um, oh, I guess you like always wonder like who Gwen Stefani actually comes up in the Travis Barker memoir, which we'll get to uh, mm-hmm. like very briefly. But yeah, I guess Gwen Stefani is kind of in this whole other realm right now, where she's just like transcended like anything from where she started from and now is just like generic celebrity so she can just like do shit like this and it's fine I guess it's not even that like and we I'm going to plug an a past episode of the podcast uh very early on the episode hospital horse girl with Sarah Cartwright is all about Gwen Stefani's current rebranding and we landed on the theory that she has returned to the OC, but as like stay at home mom OC vibes, not ska punk crazy girl OC. She vibes. was basically rebelling when she was when she grew up in the OC. She was rebelling against it, and now she's like that. She's become like, oh, yeah. She's actually like oh, it's nice here. <laughs> it's nice, and this definitely is like very family friendly of her to do. Like Julie Andrews is just, I mean, she's a global international treasure like three of the most beloved young adult movies of all time yeah but why her well like they could have gotten some like broadway person like don't you think anne hathaway would have done it oh 100 percent. he would have dropped everything or like (laughs) lin-manuel miranda granite lin-manuel miranda very busy yeah, we don't need he to hear from we don't need to hear from his office we do, but yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> he would have been maybe a little bit more of a natural choice, but yeah, okay. My mom told me that he was at the Diamond Jubilee, the Queen's Diamond Jubilee recently. I was like, "Why?" <laughs> like does the queen like <laughs> Hamilton and then I knew Alicia Keys was also there, but she and she performed Empire State of Mind. Yeah. Like and what and the and British then... Empire? <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently this was also talked about on Who Weekly. Apparently she released a statement and she was like, the queen asked for this. To I be don't played. believe and that. No, it's like, no, Queen Elizabeth didn't ask for that to be played. <laughs> like, I don't think the queen listens to music. I also don't think she listens, at least if she does listen to music, it's not past like, I don't know, the 60s or the 70s. The 1660s. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All she listens to, she listens to music on the clavier. Um, <laughs> yeah. it, it's not, not good. Okay. Last scenario uh also a weird one uh marcus mumford goes solo does the governor need to be called okay i was earlier too no the governor doesn't need to be called i also don't really understand what he had he thinks he has to offer anybody 
Mumford um, without sons. Yeah, <laughs> that's, like that's what it is. I, I'm not a, like I've heard the some of the like Mumford and Sons singles, but I again I'm like not the most familiar with their catalog. Has he ever done like a like a producer like a like a date like you know how like Florence and Florence did that like Calvin Harris song or whatever? Has he ever yeah. done anything like that? I'm sure he has. I just can't think of anything off the top of my head. Like he definitely like back in like the early 2010s when like both Mumford was big and the like the hunger dunger dang EDM wave was happening with like Avicii country shit. He definitely I'm sure he got like co-opted for something. But I yeah. I wouldn't have heard it. I don't really know what he thinks he has to offer everybody. And it also seemed like it was kind of weird where he was like performing at this event and then he was like, I'm going solo. And everyone there was like, uh, okay. Like he's like, yeah. please save me on Spotify. And everyone's like, okay, we'll do that. I guess. Like what happened to the sons? Like, well, and we know were- what happened to the, there was the one son who uh, came out as like crazy right-wing person. Yeah, um, the one who but- was married to Diana Agron, who there was that blind item recently is allegedly dating Bradley Cooper. You know what? That's an upgrade for her. I oh, do- oh, such an upgrade. But it's also <laughs> like, it. <laughs> you know, Bradley's a very questionable figure. So we yeah. don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Uh, yeah. But I, um, I was very, I was like, who cares about Marcus Mumford still? And, but yeah. like they're very popular i guess yeah but it's, i guess like it's he's like well i could release another mumford and sons album that like people don't really care about or i could just like try and do my own thing and maybe keep more of the check but also like okay like i guess try it and see how it goes i'm not i don't know if i'm gonna be uh pre-saving on spotify or anything like that i mean I, you read the trades and a lot of the like poll quotes are like insider sources say that it's a fabulous collection of new music that's already finished and i'm like i know what label he signed to for this new release my former employers and i'm like i know what you're doing i've seen it before (laughs) and you're 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 puffing up something that is gonna sound like Paul McCartney later <laughs> years, and I, I know I know I know the patterns. I know everything there is to know on, about it. Unfortunately, and I'm not excited. No, I, I hope a, Carrie Mulligan's doing great. I, I wish nothing the best for her. So this brings me to my next. It's not a game. It's it's really a question, but it is it's a riddle of sorts, a, je- a jelly bean game, if you will. Okay. How old is Marcus Mumford? Do not Google it. Oh, wait. I think I saw it. He's young, right? Is he young? Put a number is, on it. Is he 34? I think I read oh, that. Yeah. Okay. Ding, ding, ding. He's 34 or 35. Like born in 87. When I tell you that was the most shocking piece of news I've seen all day. Like, and I yeah, woke up this morning to a Beyonce single announcement. Like, that's what we're talking about here. How old is Carrie Mulligan? She's 37. Okay, so like, all right. Like, if you, t- I, if I knew that she was like around that age, but I thought he was like approaching his mid forties for some. Well, because he, he, I feel like his like introduction to everyone was like, we're in this old timey band and we're playing banjos or whatever. Yeah. And so he presented himself as much older when well, he was probably like twenty. I mean, there's always yeah the, no he I mean, was he was like twenty three. Lying about his age, not to not to accuse him of anything. Well, let's be clear. Those like, those other guys look young though, so I'm like, okay, like I get it. I think he's just 
he is oh wow am I gonna phrase this he's got of a he's always had a bit of a daddy bear thing sure okay Mm -hmm. I'm eating my own hand right now um (laughs) he's I have always found him very very attractive and it sucks because I hate banjo ass music like that like I really it's so bad but I have to speak my truth you know what and the, today during pride month and every day you, you need to speak your truth but i thought he was 35 like 10 years ago and that was yeah. part of the appeal and knowing that i was like thirsting after like a tw- just like a kind of more mature looking 23 year old does not change really your perspective yeah it, it, with- it changes your perspective a little bit yeah well, maybe I feel like a... I'm the villain in my own narrative. <laughs> you know like what he should do is if he wants to do like a thirst, um, if he wants to do kind of like a thirst era, he should hire the people, whoever styled Brandon Flowers for his solo album, he should just like hire all those same people and just like do that same thing. Because like Brandon Flowers never looked better as he did like solo yeah. album era. And like, I think he should, if he wants to be like a thirst solo figure, he should just like do the same thing. I worry that that kind of like Vegas lounge litter lizard act wouldn't translate necessarily well. Like what he should do. Okay. Go full like hot shepherd vibes. Okay. Like God's own country. Oh, kinda. yeah. And if he okay. wants to queer bait, that's a good way to do it. Because God's own be country, great. I do think is one of the only two actually hot gay movies that has ever been made oh it's it is or i mean in the past 20 years but it is great it's multiple seen it multiple viewings it is hot it is it's it's perfect what a film what a film that you need people need to watch that if they haven't seen it i'm pretty sure it's still on netflix and everyone needs to drop everything and watch stranger by the lake as well which is the other i i i showed that recently to friend of the pod colin LeBrand mm-hmm. and Colin had never seen it before and he like every five ten minutes he was like oh my god oh my god <laughs> and let me tell you I mean Stranger by the Lake is is also iconic cinema it's it's so good and it's it is shocking <laughs> like I was like whoa <laughs> like, I didn't know you were allowed to do that on on screen um <laughs> But it was it's it's a it's a very good movie. I I would like I know we're not gonna get a Marcus Mumford queer baiting era, but like I would like to see it because Charlie Puth is wearing on me a little bit, and I need a I need a breather. We need that. an aesthetic shift for the queer baiting. I agree. Yeah, when he posted um like Wang Shaft <laughs> almost, I was like, all right, <laughs> like. Let's have yes. a good song. Let's, Let's have a good song first, and then we can get some more. Of okay, the, like... well, we're not okay. <laughs> down here, there's no yeah. musical slander of Charlie Puth on this podcast. The last Charlie Puth full length was very good. Well, agreed, but like then the the singles he's been dripping out since then have been mid. So yeah, kind of. I, I don't know what's going on there. I feel like the the this this casual nudity that we're seeing is it's a distraction from something. He may not have songs yet, but I guess only time we have Shaft. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's uh, on that note, let's take a break, and uh, we will be right back. 
And we're back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Michael, what are you rushing to the ER today? I am, I think it's time to examine the, the legacy in Oove, I think I'm pronouncing that right, mm-hmm. of, of Travis Barker. Um, Travis Barker is most known as the drummer of Blink-182. Um, and he's been having a little bit of a renaissance re- recently as a sort of pop punk whisperer to a variety of musical acts, including Machine Gun Kelly, Trippy Red, Avril Lavigne, and some others. And, I th- and also he has been very much in the culture recently as one half of a now Kardashian relationship. He's married to Kourtney Kardashian. And so I felt like it was a good time to maybe take a step back now that we're a couple of years into this pop punk revival and uh, look at Travis Barker a little bit, see what's up with him. Wow. I, thank you for bringing this to the table today, not to steal from the Pinkett Smith clan. Um, this is an important topic that I think is not quite a scourge, but definitely an epidemic of sorts. Yeah, because like, I think what I was really excited, particularly by the Machine Gun Kelly album. Um, and I think it's worth like kind of talking about why Travis is like a good figurehead for pop punk. And I feel like he, you know, the machine gun, the first machine gun Kelly album with him, Tickets to My Downfall, came out in 2020. I thought it was really solid, really fresh. I listened to yeah. it today and I, I loved it. And mainstream sellout one, not not hitting. Not uh, good. It it reminded me kind of of the drop-off between the last post Malone album and this one. Right. Yes. Um, yeah. It kind of, it, like more of the same, but not like. Mm. Yeah. So I guess like in terms of why Travis is kind of like a good, I guess was like a good figurehead for this pop punk revival. I guess the first thing, and this has really come across in everything I've been kind of reading about him and watching over the past couple of weeks to prepare for this is that he is, I mean, everyone, pretty much everyone agrees that he's like an extremely talented musician and also a really good collaborator. Uh, he had recently joined Blink-182 when they were recording Enema of the State. And it, he basically re- like arranged and like, wrote, like not wrote, but like arranged all of those songs and like picked the tempos and everything. Uh, I learned that he didn't get any publishing or songwriting credits for that, which truly is okay. like... And that is negligent. So yeah. for a little context, you gave me the most homework I've ever had from a guest before an episode. You made me listen to two full albums. The, the, tra- or the MGK album was a re-listen. And you made me a very nice 14-song starter pack of music, all in all, two hours in total of music. Anima of the State is not an album I enjoyed much, and what I did enjoy of it was almost entirely Travis Barker related. The drumming on that album is unfucking believable. Yeah, and I think the other thing is that when you compare that album to Dude Ranch, which is the one that came before it, um, I have I so like my background with Blink One Eighty Two is that I I think they were like the first band. I would say other than like boy bands, like I guess setting aside like. Backstreet Boys because they were probably the, like the first first one but like the first rock band that I really liked I think that's true of a lot of people yeah that were around my age let's say and 
you you compare Dude Ranch, which is the album before, which has Damn It, they're probably like one of their most beloved songs, to Enema of the State. And I've never liked Dude Ranch before. And when I went back and listened, or I've never really liked Dude Ranch that much. And when I went back and listened to it, I realized it's because all of the songs are the same tempo and they all sound the same. And the, the, there was definitely a production upgrade too from Dude Ranch to Enema of the State. But I mean, uh, every song is the same beat. Every song is the same tempo. And so you get to like track 10 of this album and you're like, all right, I'm like, I can't listen to this anymore. It's like, it's all the same thing. Yeah. Whereas with Enema of the State, like, there's just all like there's all this cool like compositional stuff that they're doing and i mean it's, a lot of it is due to travis and also due to um their producer at the time Finn, who has since passed away but yeah mm-hmm. it's just like a noticeable upgrade and a lot of that has to do with travis he just going through like some of the songs on this playlist you sent me like he is the he is the only tolerable part of some of these tracks like this first one Cat with Two Heads by the Aquabats, which is not a band I was familiar with. Yes, and for context, they were the band that Travis was in before he joined Blink-182. And they're more of like a ska type band. Because these vocals are goofy as fuck. Like the production and the drumming especially, like it's a very catchy song. It's just like there is this juggalo on top of it that like I, I really fucking hated. Yeah. Well, and the reason why he didn't want to continue with the Aquabats, I mean, once he kind of got the offer from Blink-182, is that the, I guess like the lead, yeah, I'd be the lead singer of the Aquabats. He actually ended up creating Yo Gabba Gabba, that that kids show. Yeah. And his entire, like, this guy's thing was like, I want to create a kids show. And Travis Barker's thing was, I want to be a musician. I want to be a drummer. Rock star. So, yeah. Yeah. I want to be a rock star. And so... I mean, once he got the offer to join Blink-182, he was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm out. Yeah. Even if, like, the Aquabats was, like, a good stepping stone for him. That I mean, that definitely tracks because this does sound like kids' music. Like, I, I you know, Anima at the State is one of those albums that people, like, it really is a touchstone for a lot of people. It's just, I, I really, like, kind of miss that era by two years my first album from this scene was American Idiot, which I think is true for, for a lot of people my age. Like, we're a little apart. And that feels a lot more, like, melodically interesting for whatever reason than, like, Enema of the State does. But, like, I just I don't know. A lot of that, the Blink, Some 41, Simple Plan stuff all kind of sounds the same to me. Well, when you heard um, Enema of the State and then you kind of went back to the MGK album, like, did you, could you hear that it was like... Oh, it's, I mean, it's it's just a redux, essentially. Yes, like, I, yes. I just, I don't know why, there's maybe just something that's like rewired for me that made the MGK album a little bit more like, I don't, I don't think it's better necessarily. Like, I liked it just fine in 2020 and I liked it just fine now, but I think it's not quite as samey as Enema of the State is. And I did, there are features too, which I think kind of like helps. Um, yeah. I think also with the, I think also with the MGK album, like the songs are fun also because of like the persona that MGK brings to it. And I was kind of thinking about like, I, I listened to some of the later day um, Blink-182 albums, which I don't really like that much. Yeah. And when you compare those albums to the like the first Machine Gun Kelly album it's like it's fun like I don't know Machine Gun Kelly's like singing about like 
doing drugs and like you know being a menace and it's like kind of it's just like kind of fun subject material I guess whereas mm-hmm. like you go to those like later day Blink-182 albums and they're just like I don't know 40 or 50 year olds dudes like singing about it. it's just like not and also it, those songs aren't very good like it's just not like an aesthetic that's gonna age super well you yeah. would think but Travis Barker like Travis Barker to me like was always more of a tabloid figure because like as an avid people magazine reader in like the mid 2000s on, I mean onward essentially like he was always in the news for Shauna Mokler stuff and the that plane crash yes um I think the one thing I'll mention before we talk about some of the tabloid stuff is that I think it's easier for Travis to kind of make that transition to be between generations because he doesn't necessarily come with a persona attached no. other than just being like a really good drummer. Like he is a little bit kind of of a blank slate, which is actually, which is yeah. why the, we'll talk about the show, I think in a second. It, like, it's kind of like a, a John Frusciante kind of vibe in a way. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. you're this like behind the scenes wizard who like comes in and radically like transforms a band sound. You get legendary just for that alone. But whereas like John Frusciante like retreated from the spotlight for so long, just like noodle around and make like like classical guitar albums, essentially like Travis, like I think, I mean, he's just become like a Rick Rubin type. Yeah. And I think the other thing that stands out is that he has, I mean, he's been, you know, he was formally trained as a drummer. Like he, mm-hmm. he was taking drum lessons from when he was really young, but he also took, he took piano lessons. He took voice lessons. Like he has that sort of compositional instinct that, and like that, the training, I think more than anything else too, where, you know, other drummers like certainly don't. And because he's like a good collaborator, just because he has a wealth of musical knowledge and he doesn't really bring his own like persona, if you will, to like a project I think it just makes him easy like to collaborate with yeah I guess going to the tabloid stuff I guess I was like vaguely aware of some of that stuff at the time but I I would be curious like I guess what was your impression of like some of the tabloid stuff with Travis I guess because I've read about it a lot about it now like Uh, it was kind of all like of a piece with the VH1 era at the time like you know it was very like I or Oh my god, why can't I remember? Brock of Love. That's so embarrassing. I love that show. Um, very kind of like in that vein. Like it was like proto-reality drama. This was they were operating, like Sean and Travis were operating at the same time as like Anna Nicole and like peak like Heather Locklear dating Richie Sambora era. Like it was very much an era of like rock figures being in the news for kind of just like dating people and like doing drugs and like clubbing like this was around the same time that Kate Hudson was with Dave Navarro too and like oh, if you can kind of a couple right <laughs> Kate Hudson's dating history is really weird um but she like that it was that kind of like set the scene for the time yeah so I guess before we get into this uh, we're going to talk about Meet the Barkers. Meet the Barkers is a show that was on MTV. I am currently a Paramount Global employee. However, I was like 13 when the show came out. So I, I think hopefully I can be somewhat objective about this. Okay, now that we've gotten that out of the way. Um, I watched a couple episodes of Meet the Barkers. And what was interesting is that I watched like the first like five or so episodes. 
And I didn't really understand why the show was made in, in certain, in certain respects. Cause I, they don't like what I think made them like juicy or compelling as a couple, like it doesn't really come on screen. Like it doesn't really come across on screen. I mean, the episodes I was watching where, when it was like kind of the lead up to their wedding. Um, and so there was like all this, like kind of like fake drama, like that was associated with it. And it didn't really like when I was watching it, it didn't really like their sort of dynamic didn't come across on screen in a way that would like make me want to get invested in like a reality show about them. And I guess like after reading the memoir, I know now that like basically it just came about because Travis was friends with a producer and he, the guy pitched it, pitched the show to him and was like, let's do it. And also the, I would say the, the main precedent to the show was newlyweds and probably the Osbournes. I'm not like a fully like certain on my timeline there, but like, I guess it's kind of like, well, we're just going to do this. And I think the issue is that Travis doesn't really come across as a strong personality on camera. And so when you're watching a reality show about him, it's just like, there's not really a lot for you to grab onto. Um, and he's not really doing a whole lot that would like, is, that kind of like gets you interested in it. So you're just kind of watching the show and you're like, well, I don't really care about this couple that much. Yeah. And so it's interesting that he's like, he was like such a tabloid figure. I it, think. I think it's yeah. mostly because she was so like outrageous isn't really the word but like there was such a fixation on these like Anna Nicole like Pam Anderson was still like a huge thing back yeah. then too like I mean it, and she's kind of like baby Pam in a lot of ways yeah I mean and that's I think kind of what it was their their kind of reasoning for doing the show was that we're they were like we're sort of a like a television show our life is a television show already so let's just make one and the things that would have made it like uh, like made their relationship crazy or like they couldn't show any of that on no. an MTV show circa 2005 because I mean in the memoir he's talking about how they're getting drunk every night they're like doing drugs they're like always like screaming at each other Shayna like would would like accost people that she suspected Travis was like hooking up with and like I think I mean I don't even know what time like era that that would have worked but I don't like I don't think and like MTV wouldn't have shown any of that. And the other thing he no. said about Shana in the memoir is that he thought that Shana started to like play things up for the camera in a way that he did not appreciate. And that was part of the end of their relationship. Yeah. I, I kind of, I can see all that. Like she, she's always been very like front facing with her relationship with the media. Like we've seen that in recent years too, when Kravis you know kicked into gear like she went on celebrity big brother like she started publicizing this new romance that like really flamed out in kind of a sad way and mm -hmm. she just like i mean she is like an expert shit talker and she always has been like her feuds back in the day with like nicole richie in paris and all yeah, these people like, she literally fought paris Hilton yeah because, because I mean, paris was hooking up with travis at the time iconic iconic <laughs> well and what's interesting That's... about the like Kravis phenomenon is that you know one of the things that's been talked about with Courtney and Travis is that they're like always making out with each other like they're yeah. always like there and like they're very PDA and I went back and watched 
the show. And sure enough, the first episode, Shayna and Travis are at the MTV Video Music Awards, I believe, or it could have been the movie MTV. I don't remember which ones. They're at an MTV award show and they're literally making out on the red carpet while everyone else is just like standing around. Yeah. And the other thing, which is interesting, is that last year, um, uh, Kravis dressed up as the main couple from True Romance, which is not a movie I've seen, so I don't I don't know the mm-hmm. characters' names. But True Romance was also a big part of uh, his relationship with Shayna. His daughter Alabama is named after a character in True Romance, mm-hmm. and so like I guess maybe the world's waiting for Shayna's uh, rendition of Deja Vu. But <laughs> and you know, and we wait with bated breath. <laughs> So now that we've touched on the Kravis, this is where I can come into, this is my area of expertise. Like okay. I find them repellent in a lot of ways. I, in okay, so let's circle back, I guess, a little bit to like the music that Travis Barker makes now. For a solid like 10 years, kind of a like behind the scenes guy, like still doing stuff with Blink, not really in the news, not really producing as much either. Like he pops up here and there. He did cool songs with like Run the Jewels. Like he's worked with like Vic, <laughs> Vic Mensa. Um, okay, the solo album, which I, I don't think we have the bandwidth to get into here. Give the drummer some. I, I've, this is the first song I've ever listened to from it um, featuring Lil Wayne and uh, Rick, Rick Ross. It's horrific yeah so okay so a little bit of background on the solo album um well I guess like first Travis was I guess unique at the time for embracing multiple genres um which is not something that other musicians were really like interested in um, and I'm actually going to just make sure I get this quote right before I uh, before I say it from Tom DeLonge. Basically, actually, uh, so basically Tom DeLonge like, was talking about how, oh, I got the quote, okay. Travis has always been really into hip hop and that was something that was unusual. And I guess to c- contrast it to Tom as like a, a viewpoint of the time, he said, quote, I'm not into urban culture at all. It's just not in my DNA, which is... Ooh, that's a quote. Um, <laughs> don't know if I fully want to unpack that one, but um, Travis has always been really interested in hip hop and he sort of organically just started like collaborating with hip hop musicians because they were interested, they like liked his drumming style. And, and, and once again, the, that's like the Rick Rubin pivot. Yeah. The thing is, is that I don't yeah. think he ever had a feel for like hip hop production. All of his hip hop production sounds very like stiff and awkward to me and like doesn't really sound like something that would have I guess made it made it into like popular culture at the time that it was being produced the other thing the other thing I'll say about the solo album is that um one of his friends passed away in the plane crash and like they yeah that that guy who dated Nicole Richie and stuff oh I don't know he did Nicole Richie but the DJ yeah Oh, oh no, DJ AM. Oh, oh, this, oh, 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 no, no, the no. DJ AM didn't pass away in the uh, in um in the plane crash, but he he died a year later. His friend, who was like his assistant, was like very much like um a driver. I would say like he and Travis were kind of like working on the hip hop album together, and so like when it finally came out, it was kind of like the culmination of the work that they started. And unfortunately, the assistant um Crit was not able to see. 
it's just not a very good album, unfortunately. Yeah. It's just like not, he does, I don't feel like Travis has like, he, I can understand that he like very much appreciates hip hop music, but I, do, I don't really see him as having like a good feel for that sort of production. Well, because the, the, the big production difference is like, you're obviously doing a lot of live drumming in a band and a lot of like hip hop and rap tracks are built off of drum loops. Right. And it's and it, hard to make a live drum sound like a drum loop and sound crisp and like, you know, there's that, that like sheen to it that like you can't really replicate. Yeah. And so I guess it sort of makes sense then that like if, I mean, I think he, like, I think he has a lot of like good, rela- good relationships with rappers and stuff, but it, I guess it makes sense that like it took for kind of hip hop to kind of embrace pop punk. And like then it kind of made sense. It made him more of like a yeah. natural collaborator in that way. So he's definitely this like Svengali type figure now. He has a well, he has a label under my former employer, Warner Music Group, in which he has signed like TikTok people like Jaden Hostler, like Nessa Barrett, and he Avril, Avril, I think is signed Avril is now signed to that label too. And obviously Avril's been in this game for 20 years, but like you know, she or her comeback like made it into the top ten albums this year, or like whatever week it was released. Like partially because I think the Travis name brand is so strong right now, and like Avril's just having a big retrospective between like everyone's like, oh, like she's like the one of the influential girlies to this new crop of like female rock stars, and Let Go turned twenty like two weeks ago too. So we've, I mean, it's been a big, big moment for her. And I think what's so disappointing about a lot of the more recent output from him is that it all has started to sound the same and it's very homogenous in a way that I don't even think Blink-182, I mean, I think Blink-182 definitely like somewhat homogenous in terms of like their songs, especially when you compare like Enema of the State and, and the following album, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, like they're very like similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. But I guess even within songs like on Enema of the State, there would just be kind of like interesting transitions. Like there's a there's like a bridge or a section in the song Dysentery Gary where Travis kind of breaks into like a samba, samba drum pattern. And like all of the MGK songs on the new album, and I didn't listen to the full new Avril album, but like those songs all like sound the same and they all have like the same sort of like drum patterns. They all like, they, they all just sound like one after another. Like they're all doing the same well- thing. I think that's part of the problem with these like nostalgia cycle trends. Like when you revisit a sonic era, you think of like the touchstones and the signifiers more so than like the actual like innovation and composition that was going on like in the scene. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're getting essentially like a greatest hits version of pop punk within each song. And part of that I'm sure is because like, labels are like dictating like you need to check this check this check this check this but it's also like you know these a lot of these like kids don't know better like I mean Jaden and Nessa are like 19 yeah and they're they're just be like they've basically just like co-opted Travis and vice versa because Travis Barker is for better or worse like an easy way to add authenticity yeah to us to this like scene right now you're you you're like oh like why is this guy like ripping off blank and then you look at who's producing it's like oh travis barker's here like it's cool it's cool like it's this is the real deal 
Right. And like one of the one of the Jaden songs that was like really disappointing. I don't remember the name of it. But I think it, that it, whole album sucks. Like I listened yeah. to it when it first came out and have not. I I, I think it sucks. Like really, oh, really what, sucks. I, I think we're generally having this moment where people are creating songs that very explicitly reference other songs just for the sake of like having that familiarity and it's just like the snake eating its tail sort of thing um in this case there was a Jaden song which very explicitly like includes quotes from feeling this a very like one of like, yeah. Jaden's, like most popular songs giving writing credits to um to like everyone that that wrote feeling this and like even on the mgk album the third song um i think drunk face like the outro is basically the same as feeling and so you can kind of see that like yes it's fun to revisit that era but it's also like a little disappointing that travis is just like literally referencing the same blink 182 song that like i fine i really like feeling this but i don't need to hear like three other songs that all sound like it it's like yeah I'd rather just listen to the original song and I, or I would like to hear him do something a little bit decent and creative without like explicitly referencing the same like source material. I, I just don't think there's like room for creativity in this particular scene as it's currently reined in by the major label structure. And I think that's part of the issue. I also think that like the best statement for this kind of revivalism was um take it to my downfall like I I I don't think you're gonna do much better than that as like a like and that is just like a revivalist album like there's not anything new that's going on there necessarily but like it sounds cool it sounds crisp there is a novelty to it because you just haven't heard that sound in that particular form for like 15 years right so that's you also have a you have a you have a front person at that time who's kind of like who is ascending at the right time and, and, has the right and I like him I didn't like this new album but like I like MGK and I like him and Megan Fox a lot like I think that is such a cool genuinely cool couple like they are tryhardy they are super weird like it's all eff- it's like super affected between like the blood vials and like the licking and like Megan just like he has like his hand on the back of her neck like constantly like you know all like very like goth goth girlfriend cliche behavior but that comes off so much more naturally than Kravis yeah so yeah because I I watched um yeah I watched a couple episodes of the Kardashians just uh, I basically watched the engagement and yeah I I I think that like Kravis has like enough of a foundation that I don't really feel like he's going to get fully sucked into like the Kardashian complex. But again, like he's not that compelling as like an individual like figure, which makes you wonder like for someone he, he references in the memoir a lot about how he like came from a blue collar background and like money didn't change him. There's like kind of a lot of anecdotes like that, which makes you wonder like how he's now ended up in two very notable reality tv relationships adjacent relationships when in some ways his background kind of defies reality tv um but yeah like there's not a lot i guess inherently interesting about the kravis union other than i would say um it seems like courtney has been very supportive in his like recovery like his ongoing kind of like recovery from the plane crash they uh, he flew with her for the first time but like on the show there's not there's not really a lot there um like, well, there's and a lot- that, this is the big issue 
Courtney Kardashian is the most milk toast sour persimmon that we have ever allowed on reality TV. She is, there is nothing redeeming about her. I have said this for over a decade now. I, I just think she is negative space on TV. And it's so crazy that they have like both hitched their wagons to each other. So like they're, they're like down sick for each other. And like, she's definitely like reliving some weird, like teen girl fantasy right now, like dating the drummer, like doing, and I know they've known each other for like, since like Travis and Shayna were together, but like, I, I just, I, I cannot stand it. Like, it's so regressive. And I just hate, I don't, y'all, I do not like her. Yeah. Well, the thing I, 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 I think this was in the context of the show, although we didn't watch this episode, but there was a page six story about how she was complaining that the editors of the Kardashians, the new show, were focusing more on her continued relationship with Scott than with Travis. Yeah, because- And it's like, and it's like, like Courtney, you've been on TV for 15 years. I truly don't believe, like, I, I don't believe any, like, I don't believe anything you're saying about like how the editors are choosing to focus on Scott more than Travis. Like, they're trying to make a TV show and Travis doesn't yeah. he's not really, he's not giving you a lot. Like, and you know who edits that show herself? Kim Kardashian. So like, yeah. <laughs> this is, this is what's going on here. And also Scott is like, I mean, he is like a tragic little prince, but like he is so compelling and always has been like, he's messy. He's real. He's raw. I love, I love Scott just like as much as I hate Courtney. And like, it's, it, I, I see, like, I don't want to watch, like, two people lick each other for 45 minutes. I'm, I, well, I don't want to. Yeah, and and Scott will create storylines in a way that Travis is not interested in. Like, Courtney and Travis, like, their storyline after the engagement was, like, you know, her IVF journey, which, again, like, not to take away from her IVF journey, but if I'm going to choose between watching, like, Scott's bullshit and, like, Travis's IVF journey like Scott's bullshit is the more yes always I like I I really like I mean they've tried to make shows based off of exclusively Scott's bullshit but like keep trying because I'll watch (laughs) all of them (laughs) and he's good and he's easy and again I'm not like very like I haven't watched a ton of the show but it seems like he's really good as like a side figure and like Uh, a shithead that like kind of can pop up and like stir he's the Sonia Morgan of Kardashians Yes. Okay. I, I, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. And so, yeah, like it, like it, 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 it makes a lot of sense for them to focus on Scott when like the main relationship is like not that interesting. And also like, I don't even know if Travis is like really signed on to the show. I mean, I don't know how that. He has like, they, they, he definitely has. I just don't think that there's a lot of usable footage there outside of like wedding planning and like her, there was like that awful doctor scene when oh, she's when like, yeah, like, like I've been like dr- drinking his like beep like <laughs> three times a day for fertility. And I'm like, if you're saying this on camera and I, I, whatever, cancel me for this. Like you're not taking your IVF that seriously. I'm sorry. Like that's a crazy thing to say. I mean, I, you also have to wonder, like, the type of doctors that they are, they are, surra- I mean, any celebrity, not just the Kardashians, but. Yeah, she's, that, going, that- she's going to Dr. Pepper. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a Father's Day joke, Father's Day joke. <laughs> sorry. You know, 
yeah like that's sort of like attention grabby like i'm i'm drinking his beat are we beeping it i i'm drinking i just said beep because i didn't want to say come on air but like now that we now we said it and now and now we said it yeah yeah when you see a headline like i'm like i drink his cum three times a day you're just like what do you what do you have to go off of like what's what's left there like okay like great it's just like it's the type of like attention grabby thing that doesn't lead to anything interesting. You're just like, okay, so you drank his comma bunch. Like, cool. Like, we love it. Great. We love it. Yes, mama. And, again, and, um, and, and that again, like you don't get a storyline out of that. You have, you need Scott to be like an ongoing annoyance to do that. Yeah. And we don't have like, it, it just, it's not balanced. It's not fun for the viewer because we also like Travis Barker was not a public figure, but well, like he was, but he was not like for the the average lay person. Meet the Barkers was fifteen years ago plus at this point, and it only ran for like like two like, like two seasons, like yeah. a season and a half, really. Like it kind of yeah. had an abridged second season type. So of thing. like they're not um like people don't really have like this like vision of him as this like public figure right very flash in the pan so like this is a reintroduction or a new introduction for 90 percent of the viewing audience like we don't have any attachment to this man outside of like oh he's courtney's new man and no one likes courtney so it's like where there's nothing to prove. have you watched have you watched more of the season no i've seen probably about as much as you have like i watched okay. a bunch like in an in an evening like this past week but yeah and i will so i will say that again like I, obviously this is a sensitive topic for him so if he doesn't want to talk about it on the show like clearly i understand why he wouldn't want to do that but the part of the memoir i thought the memoir was like i thought it was we pretty, didn't even say you read his memoir in I, preparation for this episode I, I did read i did read his memoir the the most interesting part of the memoir was about the plane crash and like because I because I think that and and so I bring this up to say that like if they talked about that sort of like stuff on the show which maybe they did I didn't see those episodes so I don't know for sure but like that's like the entry point kind of because that's like a real thing that Courtney is helping with him and again like if Travis doesn't want to put that on camera it is fully understandable because he put a lot of it in the book and I mean the book and it's been a long time too like he probably just wants to like move on yeah and so which is totally understandable um yeah I will say like the the, the memoir like I, I thought it was most compelling when it was like going into detail about the, the the recovery from the crash because it's not a simple like oh I had this like tragic thing happen to me but then I overcame it with adversity like he gets really deep into like just how fucked up he was after the crash and and particularly what I thought was interesting was that he talks about explicitly how much of like an unlikable person he was. And he also gets like a doctor is quoted at length in terms of like how he was like, how his treatment went. And one of the things that came up was that Travis was verbally abusive to a lot of like the doctors and, and nurses and stuff. Yeah. Because, I mean, he was in a horrible state and he was whacked out on, on medications, necessary yeah. medications. And he was just not handling well. And reading that is a lot more compelling than kind of like whatever trite thing we're like the tri- kind of trite side that we're getting of the relationship right now. Cause like Courtney helping Travis, like kind of like overcome, like not overcome, that's maybe not the right word to use, but like kind of work through his ongoing PTSD. Like that is a real thing. And like that could show an interesting side of Courtney. And again, if they want to show that on camera, 
totally understandable. Well, what's Courtney going to do? She's going to make yeah. him a cup of hot cocoa and like, be yeah, like well, they're there. I, that's it. Yeah, like, like she has no maternal instinct. Oh my, that's so mean to say. <laughs> like, I will like, in her, like she apparently was like the one who like really you know, like got him to fly again. And so if that's not there on camera for, you know, valid reasons, what yeah. you're left with is them making out with each other and him, her drinking is calm. And it's like, that's not a real relationship. That's just like, that's just like boring like who cares it's, but we all do that it's not interesting to like see on tv i i just i don't know it, it's so crazy that he is such an elevated figure in like 2022's cultural ecosystem considering his relationship is really boring their wedding was tacky as fuck and also like dolce and gabbana yeah sponsored they're like bad gays and um and the music is like uh, yeah identical it's like it's it he's like a, it, he's a song factory but none of them are really like hitting hitting i don't think this new crop of songs of his has has begat a top 10 single yet yeah i think that like i was trying to think about what i would want him to do and like right now and i came up with like two things and the first is that i think one thing that he's doing right now because he's very much i mean he's been enmeshed in the major label system for upwards of 20 years at this point yeah he is an institution lifer and yeah and i and he's also like his mode right now is he's like giving this pop punk sound to people his children's age or like kind of like giving it to to like you know up and coming stars Mm -hmm. i would really like to see him you know, there's an entire crop of like pop punk bands outside of the major label system. I would love to see him, yeah. if not work with them, because I understand if like, if he doesn't have, I, I think he's the type of person that if he doesn't have a financial investment in something, like he's not going to like really put his name. And he's it. investing a lot of his own money into this label enterprise and like right. signing these artists and like doing these studio sessions and stuff. Like that is a lot of time and money and energy. I think like uh, one really low effort thing that he could do is literally just like make a playlist of like other like up and coming pop punk bands and just be like i like this song like, yes it's good check like, it out y'all heard of camp trash like y'all heard of anxious like all these cool bands that are out doing very cool work this year because like the scene's way better out of the major label system for this kind of music right now so like let's yeah and like to speak to a personal experience like i started listening to the story so far because Tom DeLonge mentioned them in an interview and I was like oh why don't I go check them out like I I think Travis like seems like someone who really cares about giving back to like he he talks about how he used to give drum lessons like even at the beginning of Blink-182 like the, like when like Anima of the State was released like he was giving yeah. drum lessons to kids like it seems like he's very much like into that sort of giving back and it would be really cool if he started the light on bands that are outside of the major label system um and i do think i think the other so that's one thing and i think the other thing he would he would i, I think i would like to see him do is like change up his sound a little and he actually has this song by someone who i'd never heard of it's called we'll make this okay by ren for short are you familiar oh with- yes this this was one of the ones i liked on the playlist you sent over i had yeah. not i was not familiar with this girl either but like this sounded cool it was like um not pop punk necessarily but definitely like kind of like it post billy eilish yeah but and also kind of like a like a 80 synth type of thing yeah it was like a cool sound and, like, and it was very percussive still like you knew like yeah. 
you could see like Travis Barker's definitely here. Yes. But and so I would like to see him branch out in a way that like already seems to be somewhat fruitful. Um, and like kind of do a, a little bit more of that type of stuff just to break up a lot of like the tonal like of a lot of the songs that has yeah. been coming out recently. Just like just kind of apply more of that stuff to I don't know like more of the music that he's doing like I would I would just love to see him like break out a little bit more he could do like I mean he essentially is like the a Jack Antonoff figure right now like Jack Antonoff I mean Bleachers is like totally whatever but like a lot of that like watered down killers Springsteen stuff like is for the same reason that like a lot of the pop punk stuff right now is like so samey like it just it's a very saturated market for that kind of stuff and like once he expanded his focus outwards into collaborators that were like way different than what he was doing personally, like this like true like genius narrative started to form. And I think Travis Barker has the benefit of the doubt with a genius narrative because he is like one of the best drummers right. of this past century, like inarguably like the, the machine behind Blinks. Yeah, a Sonic really good, success. yeah, a really good music, a really like a really talented musician um and also like a good collaborator who can write songs it's just that you know i want him to break out of the box that he's yeah. now put himself in work with like, some like random people like try or like work with someone who like is really established in the scene like who's on avril lavigne and has like her own sonic identity pre-built in like maybe honestly like an olivia rodrigo travis barker collaboration i think would be really interesting because i don't think it's gonna sound like good for you part two no i don't think so either like and i don't think it would sound just like his music like i think she she has enough of a point of view that like you know she would come up with something you know more unique that's not what i want for her though i want well we were talking like i was talking about this with like someone literally last night the Olivia is not a, a rock chick to use Avril Lavigne's infamous parlance. Like Olivia Rodrigo happened into a punk raw, a pop punk hit with Good For You and then released an album with one song of that brutal is sort of like that and everything else is like Taylor Swift balladry. She's not a rock chick and she has 10 songs and you look at what's being covered like on her tour right now, like the cover she's doing because you can't just play 10 songs. Like, mm-hmm. She's doing, like, Just a Girl by No Doubt. Like, she's doing Avril songs. Like, she's, like, shoehorning herself into this box a little bit that I don't think is necessarily her. But one cover she did do that I thought was fantastic and something that I think Travis could honestly facilitate pretty well is her cover of All the Things She Said by Tatu. Oh, interesting, yeah. Fantastic cover. And, like, that. that's, like it's not rock but like the production of that is like kind of industrial almost like the original song that would be a cool vibe for olivia i think and like with travis barker drums like you know what okay so you know what just occurred to me as you were saying all this i think uh-huh. we 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 may have a we may have an answer to for what to do with uh, a certain uh pop superstar that we mentioned during uh uh go call the governor mm-hmm. uh gwen stefani travis barker Oh, I would live. I bet it sounds well, good. Yeah. Well, the, well, the thing is that, that they have history because in the memoir, uh, No Doubt and and Blink-182 went on tour together. And apparently while she was still with Gavin and he was still with Shayna, they would like hang out and smoke weed together. Mm-hmm. And that the 
spouses joined the tour that the kibosh was put on that. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I think in some ways it would be a little regressive for Gwen to do kind of like a rocker chick type album, I guess, to use Avril Lavigne's parlance. Yeah. But, but she could go in like a ska direction. And like, I don't like love ska to be completely honest with you, but like Gwen Stefani, like, came up like, in the Scott scene. And like, Tragic Kingdom, like, I'm sorry, Tragic Kingdom is a 10 out of 10 album too. Like, that's undeniable. Like, So I don't think it would be that regressive. And I don't think it would be that out of left field for them to do that sort of album together. Cause that would kind of break him out of his like pop punk box that he's currently in. And that would get her away from doing whatever she's doing right now that like, I'm not, interested in and I don't want to hear so um, what I'm, I'm hearing a no doubt reunion but Travis Barker behind the boards yeah do Which that would be great yeah do that like that's no different than like the Chili Peppers getting back together with Rick Rubin like that that all sounds fine to me yeah and again like Gwen and Travis have history together and even yeah. before they were like they went on tour together like they went back to like the early they were they like knew each other from the early 90s or at least like Travis met her once so like they have and, history. It's not like a totally like random collaboration. And they're both so like personally thirsty right now with their like branding and stuff. Like that's a pretty natural, like you get together, people love No Doubt, people love Travis. Travis is a genius. Like they get to like go on red carpet together and like do interviews about how much they love each other. I think that's a win-win for all involved. Yeah, it's like a, it, it's like kind of crazy that maybe this is already in motion and we just don't know about it, but like, it just seems like a natural thing to have ha- to happen. Yeah, and then people can figure out or forget all about like the last No Doubt comeback album, which blew chunks from <laughs> yeah, like ten I years ago. Yeah, no, 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 we don't. To we, it. <laughs> it's so it's really up. Like as like a huge No Doubt fan, it was very upsetting to listen to. Um, we do have to wrap up. Crazily enough, I think we ran the gauntlet with that topic though like this is that was one of the most comprehensive topics we've had yet and i really do everyone and this is what why you do research because then the podcast is good (laughs) like we don't usually do it here and that's why the podcast is usually bad so this is this is great to hear okay so we're gonna play tear the community apart which you have a ton of experience with the rules are very simple i have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better Great. Let's do it. Bring it on. I picked two um, really hard ones today because like we have like one legacy band and one semi-legacy band cranking out just like half-fast songs with very little musical value from the 90s alt-rock scene. However, some of them both like despite all this these songs both slap they're not perfect but which one is better which song is better uh 1985 by bowling for soup or beverly hills by weezer oh boy (laughs) (laughs) um i i i this is this is easy uh i guess 1985 or bowling for soup um i do not like beverly hills Mm -hmm. i i've never never really liked that song um 
I, I remember when it got the infamous, I don't know if I, I read it like the minute it went up, but I remember the infamous 0. 0.4 on 64 <laughs> for, that, for that make-believe album. Yeah. Um, oh. And I think 1985, I, I haven't heard it in a really long time, but it's not the type of song that I would necessarily seek out and listen to, but like, it's really fun. And honestly, it's the type of song that if I heard it at a wedding or like some sort of public venue, I would be like happy to sing along with it. Beverly Hills is just like, it's gotten like, it's just like such a, the chorus is just so like one note and like boring and yeah. you, and you're just like, it, yeah, you just, you don't like Rivers Cuomo doesn't really have any sort of like lyrical or inspiration at this point. He's just like making random songs and he's like, no, he writes up. like, um, he writes like Randy Newman, but <laughs> like with, with like half the syllables, it's not yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Well, he'll just, he'll just, he, he just like, he seems it, like from what's been reported about him, he like, he'll just like come up with melodies all the time or like he's constantly songwriting and he just kind of puts it all, a lot of it out there, whether, and he, I mean, I mean, he thinks, he must think it's good, but we don't. I mean, the Weezer's basically the Wiggles at this point. Like, they're yeah, not oh, yeah, writing 100%. for adults. No, yeah, they're, they're writing so that they can tour the Blue Album and Pinkerton. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how often they play the Pinkerton. I know they did the tour. I feel with like the they Blue don't album. play, like, do they even care about playing that shit anymore? Like, I guess Blue they, Album, yeah. Like, people are like, play they, Buddy Holly, but like... They did a tour sponsored by Axe um, mm-hmm. a couple years ago, um, probably like in 2018 or something, where they played Blue Album front to back and Pinkerton front to back. Yeah. And, you know, it's a similar thing with Ben Gibbard, where Pinkerton mm-hmm. was really raw and really exposed and got a lot of backlash and I don't and I don't mean to say that Death Cab for Cutie got backlash I'll kind of circle back to them in a second but Pinkerton was so raw and exposed and like a a truly crazy album to listen to that I think he I mean I don't think he got embarrassed and was like oops like I can't really do that anymore or I don't feel like I I I don't want to be vulnerable in that way let's say and so now he just kind of writes like a very generic, like unrelated to reality perspective. And like, that's just kind of what he does. With Ben Gibbard, I, I, I think with Ben Gibbard, he also ran into an issue where people associated every Death Cab song like so immediately with him. Yeah. And some of those Death Cab songs are not, very nice um listen to no i I, he he's always had a vicious pen like yeah ben gibbard before he was a bad writer was one of the best writers we had like and he was say what you will about death cab like and they're like schmoopy whatever but like fantastic band for like a good 10 years yeah and he was vicious and i think he probably looked back at some of that stuff and was like oops um i put too much out there and now he's releasing music that i don't really want to hear um, yeah. And I guess with, with, I guess, circling back to Bowling for Soup, like, I'm not as familiar with Bowling for Soup's, like, no. catalog. Like, a fun song, and I think genuinely fun, where, in with, like, whereas, like, Beverly Hills just sounds like a writing exercise that Rivers Cuomo felt he needed to do, and we're all just being inflicted. It's being inflicted upon all of us. I still think I would pick that over 1985. Okay. 
if only because like I just have like just this like weirdly specific nostalgic fondness for um for that song like at a I got a CD from my friend in elementary school. Shout out to Frenchie, uh, Frenchie Zadar. I hope you're doing very well. Um, it was on a CD mix that he gave out to all the kids at the birthday party, uh, slotted somewhere in between Come Clean oh. by Hilary Duff and uh, Blue by Eiffel 75 or is it 65? Eiffel 65. Okay, 65, thank you. Yeah. Um, so that and that, you know, kind of what you know oh, and what? Dance Dance by Fall Out Boy. Dance Dance by Fall Out Boy. Was okay. I will say Beverly Hills and Blue, like they don't sonically sound similar. No, like, it's like two different bands. Right. But like they don't not go together. Let's put it that way. Well, I think there's something about Beverly Hills that like it's so half-assed. It's the like the boom, boom, clap beat. Yeah. <laughs> like the lyrics are like truly drag. And I hate talk box solos. Like Peter Frampton, I think is worthless. I hope he's doing well, but I think your musical output is worthless. Like, but, and yeah, despite all this, like there's something very like more than the sum of its parts about it. In I love 19, that I, for you. 19, or 1985 is like totally fine. Like cute, anonymous, like pop rock. I don't like songs that like list things about like nostalgia for like it's the same reason why like 1999 by Charlie is one of my least favorite Charlie songs or that that Anna Marie song. Oh, 2002. Yeah, I just it's it. I think it's just as cheap as being like my automobile is a piece of crap. Like it's not any like listing things that's not lyricism in the same way that that is not lyricism. Yeah, I feel that. But I feel that. Wow, we're, what a journey we went we're, on. <laughs> yeah, we're tearing, we tore the community apart because we're on opposite sides. We tore away the straight community apart with that one. <laughs> like, <laughs> this is one of the straightest episodes to date, considering that we are two gay men. But, like, this, we, we really, uh, we were a, cu- a couple of rock chicks on this one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Michael, this uh, truly one of, the, you are one of God's gifts to man. Um, where can people find you on social media if uh, you, you would find, like to be found? Yeah, I, you can find me on Twitter at mEichner1211. Um, I don't tweet really, but, or I'll, but mostly I'll just respond to Drew's tweets and like some other uh-huh. people's tweets. So, <laughs> you know, you can, yeah. uh, you, you can hear me do that uh, or you can see me do that, I should say. Um, yeah, you can find me there. Um fantastic you can find me on twitter uh at fk pigs just follow michael's comments section and you can find me on instagram at drew haskins and then follow at crisis swing pod on twitter and instagram um what a treat what a gift thank you so much for having me thank you for being here um mama (laughs) all right bye